0: Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sanoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries.
1: For more than a year and a half now, hospitals, healthcare providers here in the region have been in triage mode, reacting to, of course, the public health crisis, COVID. I'm Chris William, and welcome again to the most widely watched and longest running program on Carolina business policy and public affairs seen over three decades across North and South Carolina. In a moment, we will talk to one of the large hospital CEOs, Carl Armato. President and Chief Executive Officer of Novot Health. And we start now.
0: Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at southcarolinablues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, an executive profile featuring Carl Armato, president and CEO of Novant Health.
1: well it's not too early to say happy holidays so carl welcome and and happy thanksgiving thank you for joining us i hope you're well you look well thank you chris and
2: i'm glad to be here with you today it's always great to uh spend some time with you
1: thank you sir um carl let's talk about a Healthcare provider a hospital boy what a time it's been the last 20 months carl how do you and your team now Go from, and I'm, this, this is my turn, sir, but go from triage mode, trying to put out some of these health care and this public health care crisis fire and being reactive to now strategically operating and working the plan. How do you do that? Are you doing
2: it? Yeah. Well, Chris, you know, I, I think it's it started with Novant Health having a foundation uh, of really a culture that, that's been flexible and investing in. Capabilities. So when I say capabilities, I mean like our digital capabilities, our predictive analytics. And so even though COVID was a surprise to a lot of, of organizations and all of us, at the same time, we're watching our predictive capabilities help us get into uh, zip codes that proactively and, and really ahead of the, the COVID curve so that we could get 600,000 masks and education to communities. We could go and predict where we thought we needed vaccines in underserved areas. Uh, We've put out almost 620,000 vaccines. So what I'll tell you is this predictive capability not only has been so helpful for us in how we treat patients and the care of patients, but now it's really ingrained into the operations of how and how we're allocating resources and people across our entire system. And so I'm really pleased about how our our movement from where we were in trying to deal with COVID to now we're dealing with everything that the community needs from a health perspective, including COVID.
1: You know, Carl, I I was thinking uh, years ago, the legal action that led Novant to put in place this washing of hands that I know was hard at the beginning, but it seems prophetic now that the hospital that reacted pretty quickly to this idea of washing hands has is, is now also been a first mover in what ended up being uh, vaccination as, as being a condition of employment. Um, you know, again, Novant was one of the first movers in that, and, and I'm not trying to be just uh, uh, leading on this, Carl, but you have compelled workers to either have the vaccination or not be a member of the team how, how do you how do you manage that so it's it's thoughtful for the employees it's thoughtful for the patients what's behind that how do you do that
2: well well chris i would tell you that the beginning for us is this this foundation and this culture of uh inclusiveness and what i mean by that is We have been holding open forums and uh, web-based conversations with team members across all markets uh, to really help understand and remove the misinformation about what what the vaccines do and what they're all about. Uh, And really putting myself out there with physicians, with all of our experts, listening to team members, answering questions. And I'm proud to tell you that you know, 35,000 team members stepped up uh, and got vaccinated. And I think we we had a, a, maybe a few hundred that decided they were going to, uh, you know, decide not to, to get the vaccine. But I, I'm really just proud uh, of how they did it. And I'll tell you why that's so important. Because, first of all, we've got patients coming into Novant Health. And I think about a patient that's dealing with cancer, uh, a patient that's dealing or a premature child that's in our critical care nursery. Uh, we can't afford to pass uh, any kind of virus, and particularly COVID, to, to those patients. So that's the first protection of patients. But then, Chris, what we also saw was our staffing across our system really, we, it really became unstable without having our team members vaccinated. And a great example is we had one of our rural markets where 11 team members on on one unit actually went out with COVID in the same day, the same week. And so you can imagine just being able to care for people became something that we really had to to get ahead of. So I'm proud of the work and the team stepping up and getting vaccinated uh, and being safe for patients and our community.
1: You know, and I know this sounds like a politically polarizing question, Carl, but why Why do you think there's so much hesitation around this vaccine, especially in healthcare workers? Why do you think this has been a do or die for so many people? You know, Chris, it's really surprising because you
2: know uh, healthcare systems, including Novant Health, have always uh, used vaccine mandates for the flu, for tuberculosis. I mean, there's other you know safe vaccines that we have utilized. I I do think I think I think unfortunately uh, the vaccine itself for COVID. Um, got politicized. It got politicized, uh, you know, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you had a point of view. uh, Whether you were an independent, you had a point of view. And it really created a lot of misinformation, Chris, in the marketplace. I mean, I'm still addressing misinformation with our physicians and our, our, our scientists who are trying to make sure that this misinformation is not out there. But uh, it's really been unfortunate because all I can tell you is we know the vaccines work. And I think what helped our team members was to actually see the impact of our own patients in our own facilities. So it wasn't a federal set of numbers. It wasn't a state set of numbers. We showed them the impact on patients inside of the Novot Health system that they could see and touch and know the people who put those numbers together. So I feel like the, the transparency of sharing information in that way, helped us tremendously.
1: Do, do you think, you know, living as, as you and your team members have done, and I mean all 35,000 employees at Novant, and the other hospitals as well, living in this uh, day in and day out, 24-7, 365 as you have, do you see that we are closer to a day soon where we're not talking about the vaccine or COVID-19, that it's now something that's, that's back to normal of, of some sort? Well, Chris, I
2: wish I, um, I, I had uh, a crystal ball. I could tell you uh, the vaccine's gonna, gonna disappear. But unfortunately, I will tell you that the COVID-19 and particularly the Delta variant has really been um, been difficult for a lot of us in trying to, to battle it. I, I believe that um, COVID-19 and the different variants are gonna be with us for some time. now. What we might see is what we're seeing across the country today and across the world. We got hotspots here and there. We've got surges. Um, So I'm anticipating and I'm trying to plan uh, with our resources and our workforce that we're going to have some form of COVID inside of the system while delivering the remarkable care that we're known for, for for a period of time.
1: You mentioned a couple minutes ago, the idea that in one of your units, you had 11, uh, 11 providers out and it was a rural unit. Let's go, let's go back to rural health for a moment and, mm-hmm. and know that that has been a focus for hospitals, certainly Novant for a while now, even uh, 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 before COVID. Where's rural health and where's the delivery of rural health now, given that a lot of your bandwidth has been taken up with the COVID? How do you feel about it now? What are your next steps?
2: Well, I, I tell you what I, I really am proud of, though, is how the health systems, particularly in North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, have really come together uh, to really uh, take on and battle uh, COVID uh, as, as a team. And I say that strongly. So competitors, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of competition in both the Carolinas, but the fact that we've all come together. And when I say together, it means inclusive of rural health care. In bringing rural healthcare into how are we going to work better together? And I think COVID, if you if you find one great thing that happened, was we integrated and tried to understand what was happening in rural, uh, not only in North Carolina but South Carolina, so that we could help with resources in the marketplace and open up capacity at our own facilities to help them deal with uh, the different complex. Uh, Covid cases that they were dealing with, and other other healthcare needs that they had. I, I think, Chris, this gives us a great opportunity. Just like diversity, inclusion, and health equity, it gives us an opportunity to reassess not only how we're going to help rural healthcare, but how we're going to ensure that everyone has the access to the healthcare they need and deserve. Can can
1: do you have the resources to to uh, apply it or deploy it to rural healthcare? Given everything that's gone on, do you feel like you can? Move in that direction? Well, here, here's what
2: I'm thinking, Chris, is the way we came together as partners uh, to battle COVID. I think you're going to see some unique partnerships occur. Uh, you know, I, I the, the the relationship that we have, for example, with UNC now and mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. with them in Wilmington and in Charlotte, uh, there may be opportunities for Novant Health and UNC to even work together. Uh, across the, you know, the Carolinas to be able to help in rural healthcare. So those are examples of new relationships, new partnerships, new approaches to care that I think is going to take those that have a, a lot of resources helping those that may not have the
1: resources they need to deliver the care that people need. You mentioned UNC and let's unpack that for just a second, Carl. Certainly your crosstown rival atrium and wake have announced a pretty big tie up when it comes to teaching school. You yourself have UNC. I wanna, wanna read, I've gotta read this because I'm not gonna get it right if I don't. Studies suggest that over one third are thinking about leaving the profession in nursing and in healthcare. So if you are trying to deploy this idea, if you are deploying this idea of having a teaching hospital tied to a university, and not just you, but others, of course, um, but you've got this 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 forward headwind about these these folks that are either leaving or just not gonna go to school for nursing or healthcare, does that create a problem with these these ideas you wanna deploy?
2: Well, Chris, first of all, um, obviously there's always a lot of ideas and and, uh, not enough resources. So we we, we recognize that. Um, I will tell you though, I think the relationship that we are building with UNC Health and the UNC uh, School of Medicine, uh, these branch campuses, I think, can be really helpful, uh, and I call them branch campuses because they, we're not duplicating uh, the UNC School of Medicine. We're actually creating branch opportunities so we can create more of the resources and the talent that we need in those local markets. So, so for example, in Wilmington, um, we're, we're getting ready to, to really launch that that campus and have A lot more capability and we're even expanding it to maybe include advanced practice providers and other other capabilities there so i can see us working with unc on nursing on on other capabilities that could be very valuable to the health systems uh not only at novant health but across across north and south carolina um again we've got our first nine students that are getting ready to start in charlotte uh again a branch campus and uh, they'll be on campus in January, and we're just looking forward to working with them and with a curriculum focused on health equity and other capabilities.
1: You mentioned Wilmington, uh, New Hanover Regional Medical Center, of course, beginning of this year in Q1, uh, you announced and did in fact uh, do an acquisition. I say an acquisition, but more than a strategic tie up. Um, close to $5 billion was not a small amount of money, so that I know you wanna get that right, and, and history shows you probably will. Um, but let, let's talk about it for a second. So uh, New Hanover Regional Medical Center, as you well know, Carl, was, was, was passionately a county hospital that wanted to remain, or there were many people in that community that wanted it to remain a county hospital. Bit contentious getting to the point of the acquisition. How is it now? How would you characterize what it is now as a Novant uh, uh, partner?
2: Yeah, Chris, in early 2021, we welcomed New Hanover Regional Medical Center as part of the Novant Health uh, System. And really, our focus was to expand care uh, along the, the Carolina coast, uh, both North and South Carolina. Um, and our our goal, you know, we set out very clearly in talking to the community, mm-hmm. was to increase jobs, new facilities, new access points, increase our financial assistance policies for families, um, and and really. Uh, start to address some of the real healthcare needs like mental health and substance abuse that we were seeing happening throughout the community. So um, I, I'm telling you that after eight months of the integration, uh, the, the aligned culture of New Hanover Regional Medical Center with that of Novant Health, it just, when I walk the halls at New Hanover, it just feels like they're, they've been part of Novant Health for a very, very long time. The physician partnerships and the things that really matter as to how we listen to nurses and get the voices of clinicians at the table, all of that has just been a remarkable uh, start for us. And we're already seeing some remarkable impact of opening up access to healthcare. And remember, the county had it—you uh, know—as a county facility, they couldn't cross over into other counties to open up access points. So we're now moving healthcare, primary care, closer to where people live and work. And so, uh, I, I would tell you, Chris, I have—I'm really pleased about how the integration is going with New Hanover Regional Medical Center in Wilmington.
1: Any other surprises that came out of that so far? You know, one of the things
2: that um, we did a listening tour, which uh, we do in all of our markets, but uh, you know, diversity, inclusion, and health equity has been really important. It's been embedded in the strategy of Novant Health uh, in everything we do. And so, um, you know, going and sending uh, Tanya Blackman, my, uh, my chief diversity, inclusion, and health equity officer, into willing to talk to all the community, all the team members, there were a few surprises of, of opportunity that we really need to address. And it goes back in time. There's a history that that we have to recognize, but it really is, how do we ensure, how do we ensure that every zip code in every community has the healthcare and the access that they need and deserve? And, and to me, those are going to be those aha moments that we've heard from now from the community and being able to open up those access points are going to be pretty exciting. And you may have heard Michael Jordan has agreed to put two new clinics uh, in Wilmington, in his hometown, and he contributed you know, uh, another $10 million for us to do that. So so those are the kind of examples of, aha, we heard you, and now we're going to respond to it.
1: No, I, I had not heard that, but thank you. I mean, to, to say that that's probably confirmation is an understatement. Uh, we're going to run out of time, as we always do, because we've got so much information to pack into this with you. Carl, let me bring it back to something you mentioned a couple of times, this idea about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know you all have been um, not just sensitive to it, but embracing it for a while. Uh, back in one of your biggest markets in Charlotte, the mayor, Mayor Vi Lyles, announced a what she is called, or what her team has called, the racial equity initiative. And uh, because of that, and Novant was clearly at one of the top uh, uh, partners in that, um, the hope is to raise $250 million in that market alone for this idea of racial equity and DEI. Um, more than a box to check, Carl, how does, the, how does DEI play into the long-term strategic value of not just what you're doing, but how you're hoping to lead?
2: Yeah, Chris, I think, first of all, um, we've already determined years ago, uh, long before there was racial disruption in the in the environment in our communities uh, long before the george floyd incident and unfortunate uh, uh, you know murder we actually decided a long time ago at novant health that we were embedding diversity inclusion and health equity into the strategy we thought it was the right thing to do and and chris the reason we saw such a beautiful impact on it is You know, it used to be I had to have conversations with people about why, uh, you know, we were winning awards on certain uh, quality metrics. Yet when you broke it down by demographic, by patient population, we saw just these disparities in in that uh, in these uh, numbers. And so to be able now to have an organization with with a culture that is going after those disparities without anyone in the corporate office having to ask about them. So for example, you know, just with pneumonia uh, readmissions, we eliminated, there was a gap in, in those disparity numbers. And we actually not only eliminated it between the differences before African-Americans and Caucasians by about four to 6%, but then we reduced readmissions for everyone. So the embracing of that was a great example of why I think what the mayor is doing right now is helping us all advance health equity. And so, what I'm really pleased about is that I think she's getting the voices of not only healthcare but our entire community, our entire community, where people live, the local, um, you know, faith-based individuals, the community leaders, and the healthcare organizations to really help her ensure that equity is brought to all in in our markets and in our community.
1: How how do you know? And this is not cynical or even skeptical. How will you know? That once the mayor in Charlotte, Vi uh, 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 can say that uh, successfully has raised $250 million toward that equity initiative, racial equity initiative, how will you know that it, ha- it, that it is being successful? What are the bookmarks or what are the road signs that tell you that it's going in the right direction?
2: So, so first of all, the first thing that she's already done that I can tell you is setting us off to a very successful path is she's being very inclusive about who's at the table. So she's got a lot of people that have been investing in the social determinants of health. So, for example, you know, whether it's Novant or other health systems, we've been addressing uh, housing. uh, You know, how do you get affordable housing? We've been addressing uh, a lot of the food uh, uh, insecurities that are out there. But the point is, is now we're going to have a team of people that can start to really attack and look at different problems across our entire community and ensure we're getting not just a resource here or there allocated, but maybe an entire set of uh, opportunities of resources that can really make a difference and a sustainable difference. And that's what I'm going to be looking for, Chris, is sustainable differences, not just something that checks the box for a year.
1: Mm-hmm. Carl, we have about four minutes left or so, and I do want to unpack the idea around mental health. Um, I know you've been a a supporter of it. Secretary Mandy Cohen from North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services has more than banged the table the last few months about this mental health in general and how it's even more critical now. How do you you allocate more dollars and more resources to the mental health of your 35,000 team members, but also those patients? that are in the mental health units?
2: Yeah. Well, Chris, I'm going to start with our team members, because I think you bring up a a great point. Uh, First of all, our team members are uh, physically exhausted. They, um, they're really uh, our focus on their resiliency. Uh, You know, we already had physician and nursing resiliency programs, administrative resiliency programs, but we've had to really launch a whole new approach to thriving together. And we really, Uh, are trying to collectively address even some of the mental health issues we're seeing with our own team members. I mean, think about those critical team members that have watched so much, uh, unfortunately, death with COVID in the the intensive care units, the critical care units, the emergency rooms. And so I've actually started talking to, uh, we have a general on our board, General James Amos, who is the 35th Commandant of, of the Marines. And I've actually been working with him on what the, the Marine Corps dealt with with PTSD, and how do we bring some of that uh, of, of mental capacity and in, in resource into the healthcare environment. So what I'm going to tell you is for team members, we've got we're, we're putting resources. I think we put already this year about 250 million dollars just in obviously the basics of salary increases, benefit increases, incentives. But we're doing a lot more to address the the thriving together in their mental uh, health and resiliency. And then as far as mental health overall, it's going to take a partnership. It's going to take teamwork. Uh, We're investing a lot in it as a system, but that's why I think you're starting to see why scale and some of these uh, opportunities to come together with other systems. We can address it together, but it's going to take a team of people both public and private partners coming together to address more of the mental health needs across our community.
1: And I, I know you don't want to get out in front of your public policy team, but Carl, how do you, you know when you've got North and South Carolina now that that both have substantial budget surpluses from years prior? There's got to be some money in there for mental health. So how do you, how do you access it? Well, I, I think what we're going to have to do
2: though is show uh, the impact and the outcomes that we're going to have first on it. I mean. That's the thing we have to articulate. In my mind, Chris, it's not building the same, um, you know, uh brick and mortar kind of approach. We gotta, we gotta utilize digital capability. We've got to get at where people uh can be uh and, and access healthcare with regard to to mental health. It's a it's a whole different environment. And if COVID taught us anything, it taught us that we really can thrive in the, in the, uh, in the virtual environment. I mean, we went from having a very limited number of those virtual mental health calls or even regular, um, you know, interaction with patients to now, I mean, it's a million people that, that have video visits with us now, Chris, Uh, you know, so my point is that's another whole way for us to get at mental health and mental capability, both in rural areas and other areas across the Carolinas. Yeah.
1: Carl, thank you. Uh, We are out of time uh, and, of course, have left a whole bunch of things on the table. Price transparency uh, and all those other things that everybody loves to talk about. But please come back. I hope you'll come back soon.
2: I will, Chris. I obviously I I just appreciate being with you. And uh, just know that as a type one diabetic, my goal has always been to go into a room and uh, try to find a way to bring remarkable health care to everyone across the Carolinas.
1: Uh, well well said. Thank you, Carl. Happy holidays. Thank you for watching. Until next week. Good night.
0: Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.